The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Right, so I'm back, not necessarily by popular demand, but I'm back nonetheless, and it's great to be back in this capacity with you guys again this morning. Thanks so much to JMO, our pastor, for sharing this platform. He even let me speak this time while he was still in town, so I do appreciate the opportunity, Pastor. And like I said last time I was up here, if you're a guest or a visitor and you're with us here today and you don't like the preaching, come back next week and you won't have to listen to me, okay? But since you're here and since I'm here and we're all here together, I would appreciate it if you would just give me a few minutes this morning. Um, if you're here and you don't know who I am today, that's okay. I'm sure you're not alone. I want to introduce myself. I'm Jeff Riley, and I am the small group slash young adults pastor here at First Conyers. But just so we're all on the same page here, now that you know who I am, I want you to tell me your name. So at the count of three, if I don't know your name, you tell me, okay? You guys ready? I'll wait. You all ready? Yeah. All right, all right. So one, two, three. Yeah. All right. We're so glad that you guys are here today. Y'all feeling good this morning? All right, a little bit, a few of you anyway. Well, I hope you're as excited about today as I am. I don't think you are, but I hope you are. And it's always great to be together today, and it's great to be together on Sunday to get together to worship, to encourage each other, to build relationships, to serve one another. And I pray that you guys would leave this place and off this campus as you go out into the rest of your week and you would feel encouraged. No matter how your week has gone, though, or what you're looking at coming this week, I have good news for you today. Anybody here need some good news? Anybody? Yeah. Well, this is the good news. This is the good news. That God is good. That He's working everything together for good. And that He loves you. And that's enough, right? That's enough right there to give us hope. But don't get too excited because I'm not done. All right? But that is the good news today. That is the really good news but it doesn't always seem that way to us. When we focus on what's going on around us in life and our circumstances, sometimes we get discouraged, don't we? Sometimes, even though we say we believe that God's good and He's working all things together for good and that He loves us, it doesn't really seem that way, practically speaking, in our lives. But I want us to look past that today. And not only today, but I hope that day after day after day, we can look past that as we look at our own past and into our futures. Like JMO said, this is a big day for me, right? I'm being ordained as a pastor tonight at 6, and I would love to have you guys back here at 6 o'clock tonight to celebrate with me. I just want to tell you, if you don't make it, I forgive you, okay? I forgive you, but I would love to have you come celebrate with me tonight. I continue to be amazed about what God has done and is doing and will continue to do in my life as I follow Him. It's been a long time coming, and there's been times that I thought it would never get here because there's been detours along the way. Don't you hate detours? Don't you hate detours? They take you off the path that you want to be on. They slow you down and even have the potential to help you get lost. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Have you been on a detour lately? Anybody in here been on one? Yeah. You feeling me? All right. You're going down the road, minding your own business. Everything is good. 
windows down, music up, and man, life is sweet until you see it. Bam. Or, or, bam. Or, or, or maybe not. Maybe we're not going to have a detour this morning, but you've seen the signs. There's even one out front of the church I've seen driving past for the last couple weeks. Thank you, there it is. I knew it was somewhere around here. So, so you see the sign, and just like that, everything changes, right? Everything changes. You had a plan in place. You knew where you were going and where you wanted to be. And you knew how you wanted to get there and when. And I, when I say when, I mean as soon as possible, right? When we know where we want to go, we want to get there. And I mean right now. The detour might have been caused by construction, by bad weather, by an accident, or for some other reason. But regardless of the reason for the detour, we're completely caught off guard, potentially off course, and definitely behind schedule. And this might send you in a tailspin, but I want you to know something. The detour wasn't put there to mess you up, was it? No, the detour was actually put in place to help you get where you need to go. Somebody put it there for your good. And we usually don't think about that, do we? But it's true. It's true. What if you were to keep going through that detour sign only to find out a minute too late that the bridge was out? And you, not, you won't be arriving late to your destination. You won't be making it there at all, right? You see, somebody that knows more than we do and cares about you, somebody who's looking out for you, put that detour in your path on purpose. The detour was put there to protect you, not to delay your arrival, but to ensure it. But then there's other times in life that detours can be to prepare us for what's next in life. Getting away from that driving imagery now, I want you to think about training. And it's good to train ourselves for what we might be working to next in life. It might be practicing sports, right? It may be studying for that next big test in school, or it may even be taking on more responsibility at work, trying to earn that next raise or promotion. But I've found in my life, wherever it is I'm, where I'm at the time, whether it's where I plan to be or on the way to where I thought I was going, God is using that in my life to to prepare me for what's next, even though I don't know it. For example, years and years ago when my kids were young, I started to volunteer um, in children's ministry. And I would go on trips with Vicki in the children's ministry as a chaperone. And we would go different places and do different things, but the big one was always camp right? Camp was always the big one, and it was amazing. And I got to watch and learn what it looked like to lead a trip as I watched Vicki love kids and the adult leaders that went with us, even though I had no idea that God would be using that time to prepare me to lead those trips the last several years. Pretty amazing how God works that way in life. And I got to tell you, he knew I was a slow learner, so he let me go on several of those trips so I would be ready when it was my time to lead, all right? But it was really good that I was paying attention because if I wouldn't have, I would have missed it. I would have missed it. Anyway, if you find yourself on a self-described detour, it might just be that God is preparing you for a different future than you even know of right now. I know this, that at a minimum, he wants to develop your character and help you depend on him. 
Finally, when you find yourself on a detour in life, it may not be personal. In other words, it might not be about you at all. It might not be about your protection or your preparation. It might just be that God wants to use you to provide for other people. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about me. But it might be about you. That's right. I want you to think about the story of Joseph and his life and how God used a detour in his life to provide not only for an entire country, but to save his family's life. The whole story can be found in Genesis 37 through 47, but I'll give you the Cliff Notes version right now, okay? You, you guys ready? So, Joseph's brothers hated him, right? They were jealous of him, and they said, we've got to get rid of this guy. So they decide to kill him. They throw him in a well. A couple kind of chicken out and say, ah, we better not do that, so we'll just sell him off. So he goes to Egypt and is sold as a slave, and he gets down there, and then... Even better, he gets accused of a crime he doesn't commit and ends up in prison for something that he didn't do. He spends years there in that prison before the Pharaoh finally says, you know what, I've heard that there's this guy God has used to interpret dreams and I've had this crazy dream. I need somebody to tell me what this is all about. So he calls him out, just like, yeah, I can do that. Not really, I can do that, but my God can do it. And so he tells him what's going to happen. He says, guess what, famine's coming and it's going to be a huge problem, but... I've got the answer because God's given me the wisdom and this is what you need to do to get out of it. And so they store up all this grain for seven years and so when the famine comes, they're ready. And God provided for that entire country and even his entire family that come from afar off to be saved by Joseph's detour. And then there's the story of Esther. You guys might know that story that God uses a detour in her life to put her in a place to save the Jewish people from certain genocide. That's another great quick read that you guys can check out when you get back home. But it's amazing to see how God works in the lives of people to provide for and protect other people at times. And you might just be where you are for somebody else's good, so don't miss it. Pay attention to where you are and who you can help on your way. That just might be the purpose of your detour. You might be wondering, where is he going with this today? I think he's on a detour right now, and he's never going to get to God's word and help us to hear from him. Don't worry, we're almost there. Okay, we're getting there, we're getting there. I understand this, that I can talk up here all day long, and it doesn't matter what I say, you can take it or leave it, it may not make a bit of difference in your life. But all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, it's about God's word. It's not about mine. But we can't encounter God's word and not be challenged to change. He's working on conforming each and every one of us into the likeness of his son, Jesus. And that means today we'll all have a choice to make. It's God's word, though, that we have to respond to, not mine. So are you guys ready? Are you all ready? This means, this means yes. All right, there you go, there you go. I just taught this whole place a sign. Yeah, yeah, ready? All right, I got you over here. I got you. Okay, so we're going to throw it back today. And I mean way back, like old school, like Old Testament old, all right? So we're going to look at a guy who went through what I'm sure seemed to him like detours in life. This guy was chosen by God, but between his call 
and the culmination of the promise, he went on many apparent detours. I think if we look a little bit closer, though, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see what God was up to in his life and hopefully gain some wisdom and perspective that we can apply to our lives as well when we find ourselves in similar situations. When you think of David, you probably think of him as a great godly leader, and he was. David was a poet, he was a skilled musician, he was a mighty warrior, and he was the most famous king of all time. By all accounts, he was successful. I think that's the way that we think about David, and rightfully so. And just to be clear, if any point in time in this talk I reference myself having anything in common with him, none of those are it, all right? Just so we're on the same page with that, all right? But you, you might find it hard to believe that even you guys have some things in common with David. We'll look at some detours in the life of David right after we pray. Will you pray with me? Father, this is your time. God, this is your word. And we confess to you right now that there is nothing we can do apart from your power and your working. And so, God, I just ask you to do what only you can do today in the, in the lives and the hearts of men and women in this place. God, help us to hear from you clearly. God, help us to focus on what you want to say and help us to respond in faith. We thank you for what you're going to do and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to jump in to where we're first introduced to David in the Bible. This is what just went down, okay? So Saul has sinned, and God has said, you know what? I'm going to reject you as king, and I'm going to go send my prophet Samuel on the hunt to anoint the new king that I've chosen. 1 Samuel 16, 6 through 12 says it like this. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. Then Jesse presented Shammah, but Samuel said the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, The Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, he answered, but right now he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, Send for him. We won't sit down to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. So God chooses calls and anoints this young shepherd boy, surprising not only his brothers and his father, but God's own prophet as well. Scholars say he was probably about between 13 and 17 years old when David was anointed. Can you imagine his excitement? Guys, 13 to 17 years old, can you imagine his excitement? If I was David, I'd be like, let's go, Samuel, lead the way to the palace. The throne is mine, right? Anybody with me? You want to go today. But guess what? That's not what happened. See, Samuel left, and he left David at his father's house. But David doesn't freak. He goes out into the fields with the flock and continues to serve as a shepherd. And he was faithful in his current situation. Pretty impressive. David was willing to wait and trust God's timing. 
We think that our detours delay our arrival, but could it be that your detour is delivering you to your destination? David stayed there for a time. We don't know how long it was, but God didn't leave him there. I want you guys to know this, too. If you're on a detour in life right now, God's not going to leave you there either. Check out 1 Peter 5, 6. It says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Even though God promised him the kingdom, he was satisfied to give his best where he was. David cared enough about his responsibilities as a shepherd that he even put his own life in danger, all right? Even though he knew where he was going and where he was headed, he didn't slack on the job. It would have been easy for him to be out in the field where nobody was watching and say, you know what, I'll just be lazy, I'll make excuses. No, he said, I'm going to fight off the lion and the bear because I care about my responsibilities here. Luke 16.10 says, Whoever is faithful with little will be faithful with much. See, David first served his father well. Character counts as much in the field as it does in the palace. Power and position don't change you. They just reveal who you really are inside. You've got to remember that while we're on our detours. So God eventually moves David from the sheep pens to the palace, but not to the throne. See, he wasn't there to be king, but he was there to serve the king. Listen to 1 Samuel 16, 17 through 22. When Saul commanded his servants, find me someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is also a valiant man, a warrior, eloquent, handsome, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul dispatched messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a wineskin, and one young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. When David came to Saul and entered his service, Saul loved him very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor with me. I don't know about you, but if I was David, I might be thinking, okay, God, that was a good one. I thought you told me I was going to be king, not go and serve the king. But I want you to notice that David had a good reputation. David had a good reputation because of the way he was living. And there's nothing recorded in Scripture for us to think that David had a bad attitude or ulterior motives. See, he did everything he did with excellence and was totally committed to his current responsibilities. He doesn't have an entitlement mentality thinking that it's beneath him to serve the current king. He was proving himself as he was preparing to be promoted. Is David done with his detour? I don't think so. So now Saul is jealous of David and he wants him dead. David might be on a detour, but he's not deterred. Even though Saul hates him, David still serves him well. Listen to 1 Samuel 18, 5. David marched out with the army and was successful in everything Saul sent him to do. Saul put him in command of the fighting men, which pleased all the people and Saul's servants as well. David was humble. He knew where he came from, and he didn't let success 
go to his head. He knew it was God who not only gave him opportunity, but that success as well. Things didn't get easier for David, though. In fact, over time, it got much, much more difficult. Even though David was loyal and faithful to Saul, he has to go on the run to keep Saul from killing him. David would be tested like never before. Forced to be an outlaw, on the run from the king, he gets his chance to exact revenge, take his rightful place as king, and end his detour. 1 Samuel 24, 3-6 says it like this. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there. Sheep pens, pretty appropriate, right? And he went in to relieve himself. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. So they said to him, look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so you can, go, so you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, I swear before the Lord, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him, since he is the Lord's anointed. David understood something that we need to know. There's never a right time to do the wrong thing. David wasn't willing to take advantage of a situation to benefit himself personally or to try to speed up the arrival of his promised destination. He trusted God completely, including his timing to bring his promise to pass. Is that how we operate? Or are we more like David's guys that say, oh, this is my chance. Let's take it and make it happen for myself. It's something for us to think about. If we doubted David's intentions at all, though, he proves his motives are pure by sparing Saul's life a second time. That account's recorded in 1 Samuel 26, 9 through 11. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him, for who can lift a hand against the Lord's anointed and be innocent? David added, As the Lord lives, the Lord will certainly strike him down. Either his day will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. However, because of the Lord, I will never lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. Instead, take the spear and the water jug by his head and let's go. And in time, that's exactly what would happen to Saul. Saul dies in battle, and David takes his place as the king of Judah, but not without letting God lead. Even after Saul's death and David having the knowledge he's supposed to be the next king, he wanted to do it the right way. But his detour wasn't over yet because he'd still have to battle Saul's family and followers seven more years before finally beginning his official reign over all of Israel. Listen to how it happens. 2 Samuel 5, 1 through 5. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Here we are, your own flesh and blood. Even while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led us out to battle and brought us back. The Lord also said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. David, king David made a covenant with them at Hebron in the Lord's presence, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began, began his reign. He reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. So David was 37 before he was king over all of Israel. 
If he was 15 when he was anointed, David had to wait 22 years for his detour to come to an end. It was hard, but David did it right, and he was rewarded for it. He got to be king for 40 years because he was willing to wait, content to serve wherever he was until God reassigned him, and he was always faithful everywhere he was. David was an unlikely king. Who would have thought that a shepherd boy without a royal bloodline would ever wear the crown? But he was unafraid. He wasn't afraid of the bear, the lion, Goliath, war, and he wasn't afraid to do the right thing or to wait on God. David was unqualified in most everyone's eyes except the one that really mattered, God's. But he was unaffected by whatever, what others thought about him. He continued on the path that God laid out in front of him. It's easy to see why he's referred to in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. And I can relate to David's story in a few ways when I look back to see what God has done in my life. No, I'm not king and will never be, and that's fine with me, by the way. No, I'm not chiseled and good-looking like David. You can't win them all, right? But... God did separate me for a purpose. And I've had to wait on him in his timing for it to come to pass. I was saved and baptized when I was 17 years old. And I can remember early in life as a young 20-something thinking that God wanted to use me to do something much bigger than I could ever imagine. I remember laying in bed one night, just bawling my eyes out, thinking, man, how could God ever use me to do anything? I even remember not long after that, calling my mom and talking to her about it on the phone. But life kept happening, and I think I let it go for a while. I think I talked myself out of it, but God wouldn't leave me alone. A couple more times in the next several years, I remember going down front at the old church in Old Town after a service and talking to some pastors and saying, man, I think God wants me to do something else, but I don't really know what that looks like. And I wasn't necessarily encouraged in that direction in those conversations. So again, for a while, I let it go again. But God didn't give up. So years went by. And after arguing and making excuses... I finally told him I would do whatever he wanted me to do, no matter what that looked like, and surrendered my life to full-time vocational ministry. That was about seven years ago now. And not long after that, I was hired here at First Conyers as a part-time student ministry intern. I did that for about three years before getting an opportunity to be hired on full-time as the associate children's minister. Then I was licensed here by First Conyers as a minister of the gospel, um, and after serving in that capacity for a couple years, I got the opportunity to become our children's minister. And then, the beginning of this year, I switched roles again. And now, like I said before, I am the young adult slash small groups pastor here on staff at First Conyers. And tonight, ordination. It's been a long time coming. And there were times that I thought it would never happen. But I want to tell you this. God always was and is in complete control. And he is just as much in control during your detours as he was when he called you and when he brings it to pass. We have to trust his perfect timing. 
I don't know where you are right now, but I guess if I can relate to David's story, there's other people in here that can as well. Maybe you feel like you're on a detour right now, and you have been for some time. I want you to know this. It doesn't mean that God's done with you or forgotten about you. He's faithful and will bring his plans to pass in his perfect timing. In the meantime, don't miss him while you wait. What has he given you to do while you're waiting on the promise? Whatever it is, do it with all of your heart. He'll use it to prepare you, to protect you, or to provide for other people. But here's what we let happen so often in life, and here's what I don't want to happen to you. We let the detours make us doubt him, and we think, oh, did, did he really say that? Or, or even worse, we let him distract us from our destination because we're so focused on our current circumstances. Or, or worst of all, completely derail us and never make it to the intended destination. I don't want that to be your story. You might think because of where you've been or what you've done in life, God's changed his mind about you. But I want you to know that's not true. He's still preparing you. Faithful service in the present leads to further opportunity in the future. As we close, I want you guys... Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.